1: That time, and you know what it is coming from Brooklyn, bringing that truth. Never gonna lie, never gonna lose, always on top, keeping it steady. He'll make you tap out, and you won't be ready. He got the suplex breaking your back. Now, everyone in the world gonna listen to Taz.
0: Ah, let's have a big show and forget someone who is part of a lot of them. Is Taz bitter? Does he not give a shit? I don't know. I'm in a weird spot. I think I lean more towards at the end of the day, EOD as we call it in the business world. I don't give a shit. Uh, I'm talking about SmackDown 1000. Yeah, you know your boy was there. Hey, welcome to the Taz Show. Uh, anyway, I uh, hope you guys are. Um, hope you guys are good. Thank you for downloading this episode. I appreciate it very much on Radio.com, on the app, or on the website. Oh, take two. Yes, Bazinga! Can't get enough of him never happened Uh, We haven't had a tech issue in a while So Bazanji I'll see you later my man that's Bazanji by the way who does the Opening close of the Taz show he's my Man give him a follow on the Twitter go get his music at iTunes or SoundCloud he's the best but anyway thanks for Downloading this on Apple Podcasts Or Radio.com on the Apple website I Very much appreciate that Mike Johnson's coming on here shortly We have a great conversation And uh, you guys will Dig it you guys will love it I promise Um, it's going to go deep, going to go deep and talk about some Bound for Glory. Uh, I did not see Bound for Glory, but I, I saw some clips and highlights of uh, some of the matches. And I want to. Mike was at the actual show, so I'm going to talk to Mike about it. A lot of the matches on there, a lot of stuff that happened with Austin Aries and Morrison and stuff like that. Or you know, I want to get into all that and stuff like that. And uh, uh, also, we're going to talk about uh, some Hall of Fame. Uh, now, now, obviously... Just so you know when this was recorded The Hall of Fame didn't happen yet th- I'm sorry Hall of Fame how am I doing What an idiot I apologize The Smackdown 1000 did not Happen yet not we're going to talk Hall of Fame I don't know what the hell I was talking about I was thinking about Abyss Because I want to tell you about Abyss going into Hall of Fame I get into that with Mike Johnson also So just so you guys know uh, So that's what I meant but the Smackdown 1000 Did not happen yet as this is being recorded But uh, as you guys know I was not there so I'll get in deep into the woods On that conversation with mike johnson uh so about that and my my uh, opinions and thoughts on why i wasn't invited because uh, i was not invited so um <laughs> so they have it uh it's crazy but um on that note so i'm, I'm not gonna wait take too long how to get right to it but first i want you to know the taz show is supported uh, by my friends over at rocket mortgage by quick and loan c they're introducing their all new rate shield approval okay rate shield approval you if you i should say are in the market to buy a home Quick loans will lock your rate for up to 90 days while you shop that's big news lock your rate for up to 90 days while you shop very simple process to get started Please go to rocketmortgage.com slash TAZ. That's rocketmortgage.com slash TAS. Rate shield approval only valid on certain 30 year purchase transactions. Additional conditions or exclusions may apply based on the Quicken loan's data in comparison to public data records. Equal housing lender license in all 50 states. NMS consumer access.org number 3030. That's a rocket mortgage. By Quicken Loans. All right, guys, look, on the side of break, have Mike Johnson on. We'll get into all the stuff I just said we're going to talk about. Appreciate you. Hang on. All right, we're back here on the Taz Show, Jobbers. That's right. And uh, back, back again. Not, Not just me, I'm always here. But, uh, well, the man, the myth, he's almost a legend. He's on his way. They call him Mike. I call him MJ. Some call him Johnson. Mike Johnson, ladies and gentlemen, what's going on, buddy? Good moment, Taz. how are you? Uh ah, good, my friend. Good, 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 good. I know you. Uh, I looked on your social media in the past few days uh, on your Twitter. You've been a very, very busy man, my friend. But good thing was, seems like you weren't on a plane, but you've been to, you know, a couple of events, namely uh, Mount of Glory
1: yeah it's nice when uh it's nice when there's pay-per-views a half hour from your house that's the best you
0: kidding me yes. um the, the correct me if I'm wrong that's where shotgun saturday night was shot right
1: no that was that's the melrose ballroom the shotgun all the shotguns are shot in manhattan this place is in queens
0: i thought that was in manhattan
1: no it's uh long island city right off by the uh
0: midtown tunnel le yeah
1: by, by, yeah, by the Midtown Tunnel and by the uh, 59th Street Bridge. Not 59th yeah. Street, uh, triborough, by the triborough. I didn't
0: know Triborough. Yeah, I didn't know it was in. Now, for people not outside of New York or maybe in the U.K., like, what the fuck are these guys talking about?
1: But, <laughs> I know. We're going deep in the New York lingo here. <laughs> it's very
0: New York right there. Deep New York. So um, I thought – I didn't know it was in Queens. I, I thought that building – I didn't know the name of the building. I knew they were running. I thought it was in. Oh, wow. That's cool. That's good they were in Queens. Um, Now, okay – the, uh, you ever been by the way, side note, you ever been in there? I've never been in the shotgun building. You ever been in there?
1: The the um where where WW I was at all of the I was at all of the shotgun Saturday night tapings, except for when they were on the same night as ECW running the ECW arena.
0: Ah, okay. Yeah, yeah. So the I first
1: one it. was in a place called the Mirage. Yeah, I never been
0: I knew the Mirage, i never been there though.
1: Then they did one at the All-Star Cafe, which is now Planet Hollywood. Planet Hollywood, right. Um and then they did one at Webster Hall. And I was at that one too
0: Yeah I know Webster Hall obviously um, yeah, Web-
1: Webster Hall Webster Hall was the one where uh, Actually Bret Hart wrestled Mick Foley I believe for the first time ever on the, at that shotgun That was the first time they ever wrestled That was at Webster Hall in New York City I didn't
0: know that, I had no yeah, idea Webster Um was,
1: those who don't know that is a famous club with a ton of history and
0: Oh absolutely huge, Webster Hall Big time famous club in the Tri-State area Maybe, maybe in the Northeast Yeah um, they're in the
1: middle of renovating it right now
0: So Yeah no no I know Webster Hall very well Um so before we talk a little bit now I didn't uh, truth be told I did not see BFG and I I just didn't get a chance to watch it but um you know I wanted to watch it didn't get a chance to watch it I, you know you were there and then you had to tape it so believe, the next day correct Yeah All right so before getting into that I want I do want to say cuz I wanted to wait till I talked to you cuz I could I dropped the podcast a couple of days ago and I didn't mention uh Abyss you know going in the, in the TNA Hall of Fame the Impact Hall of Fame and I actually shot a little on camera gimmick a video thing like you know uh, you know paying respects towards abyss I, you know so I, I i didn't want to talk about it while i had you on because i knew we talk about you know about for glory but um you know i want to just say real quick man abyss uh just one of the nicest and you know this mike one of the nicest guys in the business like there aren't many oh, yeah. people are gonna, no one's really gonna say anything bad about abyss um and I've been a part of a bunch of meetings, like production or agent meetings in TNA, sitting right across from Abyss. And I can tell you, he is fucking like one of the most passionate guys you're ever going to meet about the business. His segment or any segment he was involved with or helping out, like there aren't many Most people don't know this. There aren't many more guys in the business that truly love, 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 love the industry like Abyss.
1: I can't argue with you at all. I think if you look at the body of his work and what he's done with his body, uh, you don't do that just to try and make an extra dollar. You're doing that because you have a passion for what you do. And uh, the first time I met him, the first thing I said to him was you work way too hard for way too little money. (laughs) No matter what he's getting paid, it's not enough money for the the thumbtacks and the fire and the barbed wire and all that stuff. And I I respect, yeah. And he, you know, it's, it's his creative, you know, that's his creative canvas. Yeah. And, you know, you you talk about someone who's got longevity yep. uh, doing it. You know, he he's been doing that stuff for a long time. And obviously, as he's gotten older, he slowed down a little bit and he's been a lot more cautious yeah. and yeah. kind of picks his spots more. But smarter, that's what you should do you get older.
0: Smarter. Yeah. yeah.
1: Smarter. Um, but I mean, when you look at you know, when you look at the history of, of impact or TNA or whatever you want to call it, you can't tell that story without him. Because every person who worked for that company at some point, they worked with Abyss.
0: Yeah, right. Yeah. From Sting
1: and Hulk Hogan on yep. down to you know AJ Styles,
0: and you, you know, know so- and then, by the way, Mike, he showed his talent. Like I was, I was like, wow, when he was doing the the lawyer gimmick, the Joseph Park, you know, he showed how excellent of a performer he is. Like just you know, he's got like some acting chops, believe it or not. Like he does, like he can. You know, he's very entertaining, very creative. Um, like I said, loves the business. Um, just a very intelligent guy. I think he went to Ohio. Ohio he's University. Got a, yeah, he's played. got
1: a master's, I think, in sports business management. I think. that's yeah. I think it, that was what it was. What it was. Played
0: football there too. Yeah, it's a big Division ones program. Not Ohio State. That's Ohio for those Bobcats. But he, um, I, I, you know, I, I loved when I, my time in TNA. I spent a lot of time talking the Bis. We'd laugh a lot. He was a funny guy. Always in a great mood. Always. So what happened was i would love to come out i guess well i guess i would have to say that tna uh what the fuck are we calling are they tna the impact they're, what impact, are
1: they? now, they're impact now
0: canadian impact jones we call them so there you go when ding. yeah ding when impact reached out to me it wasn't like one of the bookers or wrestling office guys or the any of those cats it was it was someone from production now i know all those guys in production for a long time and um one of them was, and he left there. I think he, i don't know if he's working full time again for them, or he freelances, or he's still doing stuff with Jarrett. You might know, but Kevin Sullivan, not—not not oh, the yeah, devil he's Kevin. one
1: of the head guys in their production end.
0: That's right. Now I know Kevin from back on our time and our time in WWE together in production. So I know Kevin a long time. I know Kevin, Dave Sahadi, you know who used to work there for years, all those guys um, from WWE. So when I went over to TNA, you know Kevin Sullivan was there and Sahadi and. You know i i you know i spent a lot of my time because of being an announcer and spending time in the studio a whole bunch i knew those guys so sully reached out to me and shot me a text he's like bro can you uh do like a minute and a half or whatever a minute on camera if you want i know you you know you you and a got guy along great but put him in the hall i'm like yeah fuck i'll, I'll do it i i mean i wouldn't i did it for chris yeah, you know, meaning Abyss, and I did it for Kevin. I mean, that's why I don't, I we have no alliance or allegiance, I should say, to um, to anybody there at Impact, or uh, I love Canada, don't get me wrong, but I really have nothing to do with uh, anything there, and I'm, there's no plans whatsoever of me doing anything with them ever again. But I just want to make that clear to uh, you, Mike Johnson, okay? okay? So you understand,
1: all right? So. Headline, Taz, Barry's, Impact, return, got it.
0: That's the only, I'm the only guy that would get invited to do on camera to put the guy over, and then I bury the company that aired it. How's that? So it's a, it's a very taz thing to do. <laughs> but I didn't mean it to come across like a burial, but it just did. I didn't mean it. I
1: don't. You know, I, I, I just meant to drop them on their heads. I didn't mean <laughs> to bury them.
0: I just started getting hot as I was talking for no fucking reason, but uh, but anyway, bottom line is I'm happy for Abyss. So that that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah,
1: he's a, uh, you know what he's he's someone that in a business that is very selfish, and I don't mean that to knock the business. It's just you know you're you're out to perform and you're out to get yourself over and you're out to you're out to make the most money. He is someone who has taken an entire career and made it about what can I do for other people. And even it, it, with his speech, his speech was him talking about everybody else that he worked with and dedicating it to everyone who was an Impact original and then giving advice to the, the next generation and said, you know, I, I'm paraphrasing here, but he said, you know, when you get to that mountaintop and you'll know what that moment is for you. When you, when you're done pumping your fist with excitement about what you've done, reach down and pull the next guy up so he gets up there too because then you have more people to work with. No one else does that in wrestling. It's nah. so like, I'm so great. Thanks. I appreciate this. I thank my wife. I thank my family. I thank this company. Blah, 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 blah. Thanks. Good night. He made it all about other people. And that's kind of the that's kind of the core of who Chris Park Abyss is. He goes out there. He kills himself. He tries to get over other people. He gets himself over in the process. But it's never, it, you know, he's probably too nice for wrestling. He's yeah. never been about, no, it's about me, F you you know no, that's never. not his persona a behind the scenes or in front of the camera
0: no and you know i gotta tell you i i don't think but I, no I, i'm sure he's never been in wwe if he was vince would like him a lot like he would like him behind the scenes like his intelligence and his passion um he's all business he's all wrestling he's just that's 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 how chris is but you know uh, so congratulations to him so that that's awesome um so look i didn't like i said i i i saw of this bfg show okay was the gimmick at the end where morrison you you know uh he's got the title he wins and then um uh what do you call it austin aries you know does the favor, and then one, two, three, boom, and he just gets up and walks out of the ring, flips off uh, management or whatever, or the office. Yeah, and just, off.
1: I think people thought he was slipping off the announcers, but he really... Give the finger to Ed Nordholm, who was standing right there.
0: Oh, nice. Well, so, then, I mean, if you um, go,
1: I mean, it's still very up in the air. I've heard a lot of different things, and obviously, their whole storyline leading into this was trying to weave reality and fiction together to make you kind of second guess
0: what was, was going saying, on. They did a great job on social media. I don't know work yeah. shoot whatever on Twitter, and, and and they did, they did.
1: Yeah, and and added to the <laughs> intensity of the match. And one of the things I liked about that match before we talk about Aries was the opening sort of, let's say the opening sequences were not guys doing the usual, like collar and elbow tie up Mm. into the headlock, into the hammer lock, throw you into the rope, shoulder tackle, like the usual things we see when pro wrestlers are starting to build the tapestry of the match. These were two guys who were grappling and not acting like they were working with each other, but legitimately shooting and trying to take each other down Mm. and grabbing each other and trying to lift each other up and throw them each other to the mat. And it added this level of intensity to the show and to that main event segment and the crowd, you could you could feel the crowd kind of getting up and up and up and, and like getting a little bit more intense and watching a little bit more intensely because it was not the pro wrestling as they have been accustomed to, to watch and to see happen before their eyes and that's tough to
0: do and that's smart to do because you want it's tough it's tough in this day and age to you know everybody everybody thinks everything's at work obviously so you know you can't go and do a lock up a headlock reverse into a hammerlock to your point go to the ropes break the whole blah 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 so you gotta so the way that work you you don't there's no discussing anything you just go out and try to legitimately take each other down um and now I personally love those two guys, uh, know them both for a long time, and had them both on my show at separate times, and and hope to have them both on again individually, but I could tell you they're both always in amazing condition, and the reason why I bring that up is to do that type of beginning, Mike, as an athlete, as a pro wrestler, you need two things in no particular order. You need conditioning, cardio, because it can blow you up, and you also need experience. You got to know what the hell you're doing, because if you try to work shoot and it looks like shit uh the audience especially in Queens, New York, they're going to know. So
1: Oh yeah, cuz that that audience is very they're very they're very attuned to what wrestling is and they're attuned to what they like, you know? Yeah. There were things in that show that I knew as soon as they started, like the audience was like, "Nope, not happening. Don't care." Yeah. Uh, but if the guys, you know, if, if the guys work hard, it's a very blue collar audience. They're going to react to them in a big way, and the, you know, they they they, they got into it because it was something different.
0: Yeah, no, that's now. What was uh, out of all all uh, like? What for uh, your uh, acquired taste? What was the best match in your opinion?
1: Okay, the the thing that I thought was the most memorable thing on the entire show. Was James Ellsworth obviously? No, I'm just kidding. Um, they they <laughs> <That's funny. laughs> they did uh, they they did the LAX match with uh, Homicide and Hernandez and yeah. Eddie Kingston, the OGs against LAX. And then Conan had been attacked, but then he came out to make the big save and he joined the match. But they had taken away the turnbuckles and the mats, right?
0: But yeah, they and were they had taken, the wood exposed. The wood exposed,
1: but the wood was exposed. But it was all planks. It wasn't even like plywood on top of the ring. So when the, the, the planks were moving, and like they did a big entrance for LAX, where they had this hip hop guy come out and rap them to the ring. I forget his name, so I apologize. Uh, yeah. Anything past LL Cool J and Houdini and Run DMC. Mesh- yeah. Hip Hop
0: Jones Jones. So know. and
1: he's got like this whole crew in the ring, and they're jumping up and down, and I am watching these planks go, boom, ba boom, and they're moving, and they're like, I am like, these guys are gonna take bumps on this, and at one point hernandez who's the biggest guy of the bunch he's an he animal a double superplex onto these yeah. boards yeah, yeah yeah i was like you couldn't pay me enough money
0: so- <laughs> well listen not, let me just tell you real quick you might not know like even i know i'm mean, gonna your cover in the business but because there are different types of wood that goes underneath the canvas and mat and all that stuff um in that type of a cable ring, because that's the same type ring ECW used and WCW used. That, that t- now, wait, they weren't using a six-sided ring, were they? No, right? No, no, no. They, they
1: only okay. used the, the traditional right. ring.
0: Okay. No. Like I said, I didn't see the show. But so though you either could have plywood, to your point. Yes, a lot of rings. Like WWE's ring is plywood. I'm pretty sure they still use plywood. But WWE uses a 20-by-20 20 20 ring, where ECW, NWA... Um, uh uh, East, uh, 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 uh 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 Ring of Honor. Um whenever they weren't using the six-sided ring, TNA always used a 18 by 18 ring. WWE, I think Japan also, I don't know, New Japan probably uses 20 by 20 also. But WWE uses the bigger on a consistent basis, the biggest ring in the country, in our country, in America. So, because they've always had all those big fucking dudes all the time. So they needed a big, big ring, and Vince wanted everything bigger. So you do use plywood on that. But a lot of the cable rings, and that's what that's what Bound for Glory was in, was a cable. I'm looking at a picture of now, are um planks of wood. And to your point, they move like a son of a bitch. And they're they're not thin, they're thicker planks.
1: Yeah, and, and like I was watching these guys, and like at one point, like one of the planks ended up being bounced so much that the ring crew just pulled it out from the ring and they were sitting on the on the on the entrance ramp. And I'm like, all right. So now we're missing planks. These guys are running the ropes. They're taking bumps.
0: I got to like, tell you, that's, that's a very that's different. I mean, I don't know who came up with that idea, but that I got to give credit. That's that's a different idea. It's tough. That's to your point. That's I wouldn't want. That's a great way to fuck your ankle up. Is working. Forget about hurting your back. That you just you know, it's tough to work like that. You hit one of those gaps in those planks. You're gonna you know mess up your ankle.
1: And the thing that was scaring me was, you know, everybody's moving. There's only everyone's moving around the ring. They're brawling around the ring. They're throwing each other into the apron and whatnot. You go up for a move and those planks move while you're in the air. You don't know what you're bumping down on. So to me, that was even more impressive. And like I was blown away by it and the spectacle of it was great. But when it was over and I talked about this on PW Insider, I was like, it was great. I'm glad nobody got hurt. Let's never do this again. Yeah. yeah, the, yeah. the, 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 The risk is not worth the reward on that. But I enjoyed that. And the opening match, which was Willie Mack and Rich Swan against Ethan Page and Matt Seidel, just great, athletic, hard hitting, working. Uh, really good stuff in the ring, you know. S- uh, Swan and Seidel had had like a little bit of a rivalry going. Right. Billy Mac was super over with that audience because I knew- love
0: that guy. I love oh, Willie Mack. So good. Uh,
1: and so good. I think I did a BB. So I I
0: used to do. I used to do the uh, breakdown before breakout. You know, about four years ago on, on the Taz show, and he was a guy I talked about before. Really, a lot of people even knew who the hell he was. Uh, that guy's just he's tremendous.
1: I remember the first time I saw him. I went to. One of the conventions that were in California, the WrestleCon or Reunion, and they had a Pro Wrestling Guerrilla show on, 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 as part of the weekend. So I'm in the back of the room, and I'm watching as a guy comes out, Willie Mack, and I'm like, all right, he's a big dude, so he's going to do power spots. When I... right. He does this crazy run and dive over the top <laughs> rope, and I was like, what the – okay, <laughs> I'm going to remember him, <laughs> you know? And at one point, he had a WWE gig, and then they rescinded it before he came to NXT, and I, remember. I scratched my head on that one because I'm like, this guy – there's something – Legit and real and funny and vibrant about him, and he can work. To me, that's you know that's the type of talent that you want to grab onto and bring into your
0: company. So I a guy his size, like the stuff he could do, like that is basically like his standing moonsault. Just that alone, you could see. You know, I've seen him do it a bunch. He does a lot, and any kind of launch dives he does and shit. Like for a guy that big how smooth he is with it. And I hear he's super light in the ring. It's not like he's killing guys either. So he's a pro. He's a pro. He's a real good athlete.
1: Yeah. And I mean, he he had a good team with Rich Swan. They came off well. They gave Willie Mack a chance to do some promo time afterwards, kind of doing like a sponsorship gig where they plugged the sponsor of the show. And, you know, all his mic work got over. I don't think he'd ever wrestled for Impact before. And the, the crowd was going nuts for him the whole time. And, you know, Rich Swan is a hell of a hand and he's got tons of charisma.
0: Oh, yeah, he's such amazing.
1: Ethan Page is someone who's, you know, he's done a really good job of kind of building himself up on social media, working the independents in Canada in the last couple of years. and He looked really good as a heel the last couple of nights that I saw him work in Impact. So, you know, he's a good signing for them, too.
0: But I so like Elsworth. Let me ask you about Elsworth because I know he, he got destroyed right by Drake, Eli Drake. Right, he got destroyed um, by the
1: New York City crowd, and then he got destroyed by Eli
0: Drake. Uh, oh, I was going to ask you. I, could, what, I was asking about the reaction, like what was that oh, like?
1: Oh, it was well. First of all, they had built this whole whole thing up that Eli Drake had an open challenge to any anyone from New York.
0: New York, which, I heard about that. Right. Yeah, I and he even said
1: like, that. "Oh, you stupid, any stupid idiot from New York," and I went, "Aha." Stupid idiot. Ding. Jericho. New York. Ding. Jericho was born in Long Island. All right. Well, got well, wait,
0: blah, 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 hold blah. on. Hold on with the Long Island thing. Let's slow down Mr. Okay. Mike Johnson. Okay. Hold on a second with the Chris Jericho thing. So uh, okay. So okay. yeah. Many know obviously that Chris's dad, uh, which Chris's shoot name? Evers? Evers, right? Irvine, uh, right? The, is right Irvine? Irvine. I'm sorry. Irvine. He played for the Rangers, right? The New York Hockey Rangers.
1: Yeah. Ted Irvine.
0: Correct. Ted Irvine. Thank you. So now, I know you know this, many might not, so on Long Island in Nassau County, there's a town called Jericho, okay? And I don't know, and I, and I remember talking to Chris about this years ago, I don't remember what the fuck he told me, but you sure he was born on Long Island? I know his dad lived on Long Island, I, I guess maybe he, when he was, he was a baby it Manhattan. makes sense. I think I think at one point, he was, I think he was born in Manhasset. I think. In Manhasset, which is not that far from Jericho. I didn't know he was born in Manhasset. That makes sense, though, because a lot of the pro athletes uh, live, still live in Manhasset. Manhasset's a very, like, uh, as you know, very high-end financial, you know, big money, Mm -hmm. basically. So, um, I didn't know, I mean, whatever. So, Chris Jericho, you thought Chris was coming out because he said Stupid idiot, in New York. Um, if I would have came out, I'm just letting you know, I would have choked out Eli Drake in about two seconds. So, and I like Eli Drake. How about that?
1: Yeah, and the crowd, he got a big reaction for all, all of his dummy, yeah, and you know, all his lines got a big reaction from the crowd. So, Ellsworth comes out and typical impact, like just bad production cue. Like, they the music hits and they throw right up on the screen before he's ever seen on the stage. I'm a James Ellsworth guy that's on the video screen before he ever walks out. When the crowd hears this and they see this, they all go, oh, and like you, I literally see people throwing their hands up.
0: <laughs> and he comes out.
1: He comes out and he's like, you know what happens when you talk to a New Yorker? They fight and I'm not going to let you talk about New Yorkers. And the crowd's just like, delete, delete,
0: delete. Oh, They're going for every- James Ellsworth
1: that. out of the building. <laughs> and he did well, get one good line in because uh, Eli Drake's like, you're not even from New York. He's like, no, but I dated a girl from Staten Island, and I was like, all right, that's clever like, give him a, What's
0: her name? Carmelo. Yeah, Carmelo was actually from Boston. Exactly. <laughs> the line is clever, though. Yeah. So, I, so,
1: so of course, he gets wiped out, and destroyed, uh, and the crowd is like, you know, when when he tries to take up for the for New York, the whole crowd's going, no, 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 like just re- rejecting their defense. I am
0: I, I was surprised the crowd didn't kind of give him a nice pop, you know?
1: Yeah, but he's, you know what it is, he's not a New Yorker. No, well, that the the, the crowd's going to turn on that because they want something authentic. You know, who those fans are. I know, I know. But, you know, I he know. did his job well. He got yeah. wiped out by Eli Drake. And then right. Eli Drake did this whole thing. I, You know, I want real competition. I want a real yeah, man. Yeah. I want a Hall of Famer. And this and brought out Abyss. A and then they did yeah. a whole spiel where Abyss put him through a table.
0: Let me tell you something about Eli Drake, my friend. Uh, this guy here, uh, his promo work is underrated. Um, he's very, very good on a stick. Yeah, he is he's very great. good on a stick. He lives it. His passion. I mean, you look at his face, his eyes. Like when, he, when I've seen him before many times, cut a promo, and it's you know that's a tough guy to script. You know, if he went was in WWE and they're writing shit for him, that'd be tough because you could tell he's speaking. You know, like he's passionate about his promo work. I, I, I enjoy. I don't watch Impact that much. I've seen enough of Eli Drake. I'm, I'm very familiar with him. I'm, I'm, I love his work. So, uh, so it's good to see he's getting a push. You he know?
1: reminds me on the mic a little bit of Ken Anderson. Ken Kennedy.
0: I definitely could see that. I never thought of that, but that makes a lot of sense. That made, I, I'm, I'm I,
1: I like his work. And you know, what's funny is before he was in WWE developmental, where they really never really did anything with him. He was on uh, a reality series that the rock produced called hero on TNT.
0: Oh, he I didn't know that been an
1: independent wrestler, uh, Sean rock, Sean Ricker. And he was on that. And every time he had a chance to like really speak for himself or show off his personality, where he, of course he was being a pro wrestling heel. I was like, this guy's going to be a star. Like, you could just see the charisma on him. But I thought he was going to end up, like, getting booked to, like, do, like, B-movies or acting or something. And then he went through WWE Developmental and then Impact found him. And he came in during that time period where, like, John Gaboric and Matt Conway and Dave Logano were running the company. And they kind of developed the the character and and he took it from there. And he's done a great job of of really, you know, Impact's been kind of haphazard with how they use him. But he's been very consistent with his... His performances on the mic. And as you know, once you're over with the audience and 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 they're committed and they're interested in what you're saying, you can pretty much get away with anything you're as made. long as they believe you're made
0: you made want guy. To do it. Yeah, you made. Yeah, you know, you're right. Um so what the the I, I'm assuming that the um the knockouts championship but Tessa defended her title success against Taya. Yeah. Uh, That had to be a hell of a match. I mean, both those girls work really, really well. So that had to be pretty good. I'm sure the people love that. No,
1: they were totally into that live. I actually thought this was the best tie match I had seen in quite a while. Um, She looked, uh, you know, she's been as they kind of alluded to with the whole thing on social media. She had been dealing with some health issues and kind of got those uh, under control now. So physically, she looked a lot better. She moved a lot better in the ring. One of the things I liked, it was some stuff that she used to do down in Mexico for AAA was when she'd hit a big move or somebody take a bump and be down on the mat, she'd start screaming at them in Spanish like this crazy woman. And when she Mm -hmm. did it in front of an audience where, you know, very blue collar, a lot of Hispanics in the crowd, you know, because that Queen's very Latin area, uh, you know, big pop for that. And it got her over. Tessa did a great job as a heel. And I mean, you know, it. I have seen her literally wrestle since her first matches. I was, I saw her wrestle very early on when she was in North Carolina, working some independents right. and she was always, she had something, but she was very rough. She has just continued to evolve. And like, there's times where like, she reminds me of her father Tully. And there's times right. where she reminds me of her stepfather, Magnum TA, yeah, no, but she's completely <laughs> unique at the same time.
0: Yeah. And she yeah. just,
1: she, what's great about her is, you know, similar to what you used to do in the ring when she needed to establish her dominance. And you like when you would establish yourself in the ring as, as like this vicious heel, you believed everything that you saw
0: and Absolutely. everything uh,
1: like it connected in a way that you were like, oof, like, you know, you felt it in in your chest when when yeah. you were when you were yeah. laying in cross faces. You know, when yeah. she lays in her offense, I feel the same way. And she carries herself like a star. She looks like a star. She's beautiful, but she's also yeah. a badass. And she, you know what? I would like to see them do it again and have a little bit more time because you could see where they were, they were. There were a couple of moments where it was a little rough around the edges, but the they, the chemistry between them and the personalities working against each other was, was a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, I saw clips of it the other day uh, on, um, on Impact's uh, website, and it looked real good. Some of the highlights of the match, and it, it looked real good. I, I'm a big fan of both those girls. I mean, I think dig- – Tyre and and both Tessa, they, they, you know, big big upside for both of them for sure. And and I could just whoever booked it, it sounds it seemed like on paper they would have chemistry, physical chemistry. Uh, just looking at the clips and hearing you know what you're saying about it, it sounds like um, it went down. How about big man there? Uh, what kind of reaction did he get? Big Brian Cage, because uh, that's a big son bitch. I can work and work all over the world. I mean, he's a big bastard. I mean, he get a good pop.
1: That dude scares me. <laughs>
0: Yeah, he's a big dude. Like it's
1: like what if it's like what if Sid Vicious had working ability? Like that's the ah. only way I could really look at him. And no that's offense, funny. to Sid, but Sid was very limited in what he could do in the ring. Is sure, sure.
0: This yeah. guy just
1: worked so hard, and they had the six man tag. It was like Ove and Sammy Callahan against Brian Cage, Ray Phoenix, and Pentagon Junior. And this was just like throw everything at the wall all sorts of crazy spots. Let's try some wacky stuff. No one's ever done before. Maybe some of it'll be great. If not, it's going to be a spectacular train crash. And that's pretty much what that was. And the crowd loved it, but it was like spot, 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 spot. I was in the building, like trying to type it up as I was watching. And finally I was just like, you know what the hell with this? I never going to be able to keep up with any of this. Uh-huh. So it was, just, <laughs> it was, it was just crazy insanity, but you know, he works and he's far more versatile than I think he ever gets credit for. Because, well, because he's, he's worked so
0: much guy. with so many luchadors, he's worked with so many luchadors his whole career that it, it, it made him to be more athletic in the ring.
1: Yeah, and you know, and he was all you know his uh, mentor in the business was Chris Canyon. So you think about how Canyon worked. You know, he obviously was trying to do the type of stuff that Canyon would do, which was very versatile as opposed to just being yep. big guy. Very let me true. press and slam you.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm a big fan of his. Did he ever work, Mike? Um I don't know. Did he ever do anything with WWE? Like he was under a developmental
1: like, deal at some point, and then they cut him. But I, it was it was in NXT. It was like that that previous period of like Deep South and HWA and OVW. But yeah. At one they, point, they he was it. there. Just you know, for whatever you know how it is. Sometimes things just don't click, and then. Yeah, and, you know, that time. life that experience helps you get to where you need to be to make it well click.
0: well well said because that's true i mean that, that a lot of times it's like they'll say well how did that guy get to fall through the cracks and you know uh, ec3 god he's great in tna and all this shit now he's back i was in next but man how'd they let him get away well he wasn't as good when he you know and he 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 really honed his craft in tna and they you know he had they to, put to find a gimmick the right character yeah, and I think that was Gabork who did that, if I remember correctly. Yeah, that and, was the gabork
1: Lagana, uh, conway Trinity. Yeah. yeah.
0: And I remember how much they really wanted us as announcers to get him over, and, and I said, he's got to get himself over, and he did. You know, I wasn't the type of color commentator that was going to sit there and say what they told me to say at the office just because they wanted to push a guy. Well, you got to fucking work that way, and he did, quick. I mean, EC3 got it quick. And so my point is, like, so – as you know, like you kind of just alluded to, so many guys and girls slip through the cracks of WWE because, and you said it well right there, that sometimes makes you better. That that rejection makes you better and you learn from it, and then you go and hone your craft, and it's like, wow, I have to let that guy go. You know, That's or,
1: or if you want to flip it the other way and turn the hourglass over, you have people who go into that system and decide, this isn't for me, I don't want to be here. Case in point, Kenny Omega was under a WWE developmental deal in Deep South. And decided, I don't want to be here. I want to go to Japan. Got himself out of his deal. And you know, went to DDT in Japan. And then right. evolved into the huge star that he is for New Japan now.
0: And that's a rare thing. And you know, where guys do that, what you just said. I didn't know that about Kenny. He might have said that when I had him on a few years ago. But I knew it. But that is rare, as you know, Mike. That's a rare thing. Because most people, most wrestlers or aspiring that want to be big stars. They're like... They want to work for the WWE. They want to make as much money as they can. They want to be superstars and all this jazz and be everywhere. And then when you're there, you're like, be careful what you wish for because the honeymoon ends quick. Yep. So <laughs> ask everybody there. They'll tell you. The
1: second you sign, the countdown begins to the day you leave. It might It might be a month. It might be 10 years, but the countdown begins.
0: That's true. That's true. Um and so the main the main event though sounds like it was uh it sounds like it was also awesome, known. Yeah, it sounds I, like it was
1: really well really well, really well done. And they did, you know, they Taya Valkyrie is just the, the bump she takes is incredible. You know that yeah. crazy dive that Ares does, it's like a heat seeking missile to the outside. Yes, so they had done a it. thing where um impact whipped him into the ropes, it was gonna close him. Ares runs, charges at him, ducks under the clothesline, and then charges out and just wipes her out with the with the with the dive. And like, yeah. nobody's in the building saw it coming. And it was like, what the, you know, it just, she had a pop. She, and yeah. she took it yeah. full on full blast. It wasn't she's like pop, one of these man. things where like, all right, I'm going to hit you three times lighter than I usually hit anybody else. Right. right. Completely decimated this woman. And it looked yeah, great. Pop, and it, and that helped set up like firing up Johnny impact for the big comeback. And, and then the final like impact hit Austin Aries brain buster on him, hit the, the starship pain and got the pin. And then we get to what we kind of alluded to earlier, one, two, three. Aries pops right up, gets up. He curses at Ed Nordholm and, Ed Nordholm, and the managers, yeah. uh, and then the management team gives him the finger and just storms off, leaves his lackeys, you know, behind. And he wasn't at the tapings last night. He wasn't backstage. And you know, right now, it's very up in the air. Is this an angle? Is he gone? Is it going to get right. tur- Is he gone, and it's going to get turned into an angle? I, I, I don't have an answer for you as we sit here recording this at this
0: point. And you know what? And the good thing is with that is. So bottom line is we don't know if it's a shoot or work, and that's good. In this day and age, if you could have people pondering that are hardcore fans or folks that cover the industry and wondering, well, we don't know. It's probably a work, but maybe it's not. That's great. That means it was a success, no matter what the truth of it is.
1: I I, I, I I can say I asked, and no one is giving me an answer.
0: Right. Well, they're protecting it if it is if it is a work and it don't matter. That's good business either way. Um, So now as you and I recording this, so uh, that means Smackdown 1000 happened. It's over. It's done.
1: Right. We're recording. Um, As we're recording this, it's over. So I have to ask, how is it backstage at Smackdown?
0: No, well, yeah, because you're here with me, um, but and okay. I wasn't there either, and I wasn't there either, and Which I call
1: ridiculous a, to be honest.
0: A lot, yeah, I know it's ridiculous, bro. It is ridiculous. I got to be honest with you, um, and I haven't. Uh, well, you don't
1: have to say it. I'll say it. I think it's ridiculous they didn't invite you to come.
0: Yeah, I, no, I will say it. I have what, am, what the fuck am I going to say? I, I'm not going to hide it. Look, it. I, I heard nothing. I heard I didn't, and maybe they were waiting for me to reach out to them. That's not how this Cowboys wired up. So I'm not doing that. Um, <laughs> I, I have no desire to reach out to them to be at SmackDown 1000. Um, you know, I, it's disappointing, and I got to be honest because, and I I mean this from the bottom of my heart, Mike. It's disappointing, not for me, but for the true wrestling fans that. Uh, Take pride and love the history of the business you know and tradition of the business and legacy in business So if you're gonna do a smackdown 1000 and you have a guy who was a color commentator there for well over 320 episodes or whatever the hell it was um, Where I I think that I don't know I mean maybe put a poll up I don't want to put it up on my Twitter because it would be kind of weird But I would love someone to put a poll up who I don't know who's the voice the team voice of SmackDown was it Michael Cole and JBL or was it Michael Cole and Taz? Yeah, I,
1: you know? I would think to most people it was Michael Cole and Taz. Yeah, it was I would that was sort so. of the definitive run of SmackDown. You know, that was the honeymoon yeah, so. for that show.
0: Yeah, we, and we we you know that's the thing that that yeah you know, they talk about the WWE universe and all that shit. And I got to be honest, I'm just being real here, like I always am. You know, that's where it's a little bit load of bullshit. I mean, because yeah, they care about their fan base, but I dude, I was hit. For about two weeks With a shitload of tweets from people And and these people, these fans were tagging Vince McMahon, tagging Stephanie Tagging Triple H So they were seeing this uh, Tagging Michael Cole Um, I spoke to I reached out to one person And I can't say This guy's name And I, I wasn't looking to be there I just said I'm surprised That I'm I just surprised that the company's that petty when it comes to me, you know, and he basically was on, he just said, uh, I wasn't involved with the meeting, I wasn't there, you know, and, I, and, and that was it, like, he didn't want to say nothing, and, I, and I'm not going to make anyone feel uncomfortable in a text message, he, the person's my friend, I think, um, the thing is, look, so for some might be thinking, or you might be thinking, Mike, you know, why they didn't invite me, like, what did Taz do so wrong? Right, what did I do so wrong? You left. I left, and I Maybe left how? On, um, on my terms. On your
1: terms. And if I remember right, you even offered to work WrestleMania for free while I you did. were leaving.
0: That's exactly right. Because my contract was up the week going into WrestleMania, uh, where which was in um, at the Orange uh, Orange Bowl in Florida, right? And I don't number that was ever. Yeah, it's now I think known, known as Camping
1: World Stadium, I think
0: all right cool and was it orlando was that was it was it the orlando wrestlemania ah oh, shit i think it
1: with, was the Flair and flare and sean right wasn't that it
0: i don't remember the, i don't remember the match but i wasn't there okay they they, they they that was it no i was done i was done the dallas tv before that it was me and jr calling smackdown i don't remember what we were calling but it was in dallas that was my last tv and i i gave officially gave notice to vince he knew I was going to give notes because Ke- I gave Kevin Dunn notice three weeks prior. And they were trying to get me to stay. Like They, they were like, is it money? Is that- No, it's not money. I, they offered me a new deal, which was a great deal. And no, they always took care of me. There was nothing like that. I just I needed a fresh coat of paint. I had to get out of there. And But anyway, bottom line is, you know, I did offer to work WrestleMania because me and Kevin talking was like, wow, shit, I got to figure this out because... He didn't want me to leave, and, and he, liked, he liked Me there a lot, and they, they all liked me, it seemed They wouldn't have kept me there that long and in that role And it was a Thing where I just had to go And then when he mentioned Wrestlemania I'm like, listen, I would never leave you in a lurch I'll I'll fucking just, just fly me Out there, I'll work the show for free, don't worry about paying me It's It's all good, he's like, well No, I appreciate that, I'll talk with Vince We'll work it out, we'll figure it out, and then About a week later, I saw Vince in Dallas And I officially gave word, you know Shook his hand and said I was leaving, and in his mock office in Dallas And he and I were hugging And crying and like he's on my mission you, you know I'm like you know I thanked him for everything It was just great I remember talking to to Stephanie and Triple H um, I was getting ready to go out You know to the, the announce desk And and they were like Near a um, Tech area where I was backstage and, and Stephanie was just looking at me She's like well I'm just really surprised Like why, why, why are you doing this Like she was like She couldn't understand like why I would leave, you know, and she wasn't mean she wasn't disrespectful She was just you know, I said I just I just I need to do this I just I know for me I need to do I just I you know I appreciate everything you guys have done for me. It's no ill will And she was the same way with me and so was hunter. They were extremely awesome towards me, you know but she she was Like an adult to an adult a lady to 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 a man like i'm just just wondering why and I just, like, I just, you know, I, I, I need a break, you know? um. And now, you know, but anyway, bottom line is, I didn't mean to go that long-winded about it, but the thing is, Mike, I think that, um, I know that when you leave there on your terms and you don't get future-endeavored, how they used to do, it's, you know, I, I, I and I think this might ch- Prove point that for those of us in the industry That that feel this feeling When you leave on your terms You're, you're kind of like dead to them for the most part Yeah I mean I've been back there They invited me to do the ECW thing um, with The round table thing At Smackdown 900 Now listen I knew Mike Something was funky there Because you were there and Smackdown 90- on the show <laughs> <laughs> I know it was, I was in the fucking building And it was Smackdown 900 and I remember I was talking to uh, some of the writers, and I saw Brian James, you know, Road Dog, who was shooting shit. I always got along great with him. But he's the man. Um, I did not see Stephanie, and I did not see Hunter. But it was just busy that night. Everybody was busy. And then we were shooting these fucking on cameras for the ECW thing, and it just took forever. So I was buried in that room for a while in that studio that we were in, in Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania. And then I made sure to say goodbye to Vince. Once the show started, I'm, pro- I'm sorry. Let me back up a little bit. Earlier in the day, <clears throat> I was talking to one of the writers and one of the agents, <clears throat> and I'm not comfortable saying their names because people will know their names. And I said, "Listen, I'm here. If you guys want me to do it on camera or do something, with Michael Cole, SmackDown, I'm. I have no problem with. It. I'm here. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, you know, we'll, we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. And I didn't hear shit. And I'm like, all right. Well, then it's weird. It was weird, Mike, because I'm like in the fucking building. I'm working. They're paying me to do the ECW thing backstage you know and it's like i offered my services but they didn't want to do it they didn't tell me either and then when i when i was dumped ECW taping thing backstage i went to vince's office i knocked on his door he was in there and he's like oh shit what's going on you know we shook hands we hugged and you know and i just wanted to thank him again and say hello to him i hadn't seen him in years you know and and, and stuff like that so um you know, and I, you know, I communicated with the production people for a couple weeks after that. Just while I was doing the Taz show and everything, just always have friends in that studio. They'll be lifelong friends, um, people that people don't know, and yeah. And then they had me, uh, um, shit. I remember about about a year ago, they asked me to go to Stanford, and I had a meeting with them, and it was you know some stuff about the Taz show that didn't pan out with CBS and us, and and you know, and them. And they had me do some the stuff for the uh, the animated gimmick. Um, the fuck, the thing they oh, just the had.
1: Um, story time.
0: Story time. Yeah. So they they asked me if I could do some of those. I said, yeah, shit, yeah. You know, I, I you know, and I you know, I told some stories. I did that, and they aired it. The thing with Mike about Michael Cole and stuff, the fun stuff we did. You know, where where he buried Vince. I wonder if Cole's hot about that. You no, know, he might. Yeah, be. Maybe that's why but, you're um... not
1: on SmackDown One Thousand. <laughs>
0: I would think at this point, Michael Cole's career, he's kind of galvanized and set there. But maybe he's hot. I don't know. But dude, the thing is, that thing that I taped that was on cameras, that story I told for story time, bro, that was in the fucking can for about well over a year.
1: They probably stuff that's still in the can that they haven't used yet.
0: Yeah. So I figured I was on the floor that they weren't meaning that you know they weren't going to use it. And then when I got a text from one of the big uh, executive producers. Like a week before, he, hey, Taz, we're going to air that story time. I had to think, which story time? I'm like, oh, yeah. I didn't know what the fuck he was talking about.
1: Then <laughs> you're sitting there so, like, what did I say? What did I say? Who did I bury? I,
0: I know. I know. But, you know, Cole and I used to joke about the story a lot, even in front of Vince afterwards. So I, maybe, I don't I never thought of it. Maybe he's upset. But I, I, I've know i talked to, like, you know, privately talked to Cole. Not You know, I can text, you know, since in the past year and a half, more than once. So, yeah, and he never seemed like he was hot, but. Uh, but anyway, um, uh, whatever he's hot, he's hot. I don't care. But um, you know, yeah. So I guess that's why I wasn't invited. I'm, that's all I could assume. I mean, so um, and the other thing, not just because I lifted my terms, I, I critique them. You know, and I critique them. They only hear to the critique. They don't hear to put over. You know, I do. I've critiqued them a lot for a long time on the Taz show. You know, I have on right here. And when I was live every every week, and you were on on Tuesdays, and now I'm doing the podcast three days a week. I have critiqued them more than once and they don't like that. They don't mind if a reporter, a journalist in the industry like Mike Johnson does it, or Dave Shearer does it. That doesn't bother them much. But when it's somebody who worked there for just about a decade and was flying on the plane and, you know, breaking bread with them and all that shit, I, I I'm strongly assuming they don't like it. And you know, I've never, dude, let me tell you I, I've told you this offline, I'll say it here I, I, I could say shit out here On my platform That I've seen and heard But I never would do that Okay, I've never, other people do Podcasts like that, I don't do that shit I have integrity and I won't do that Okay, so I, I've never said Anything like that, Any, I've never Would do that, I'm not a tell-all fucking guy That's not my gimmick, you know, so I'll critique their writing or their booking Just like you would, you know what I mean, but because, you know, you're in the game for so long As a, someone who, on the contract to them I, I'm assuming they don't like it So, uh, I, although those are the only two reasons I could think Why they didn't invite me to SmackDown 1000 I mean, so I'm assuming, as people are listening to this They've seen SmackDown 1000 already But I'm assuming it's a steady diet of Michael Cole and JBL Or at least maybe a couple of segments I'm sure that's what they're going to do I, because You know what, JBL I JBL haven't even, not-
1: I, I, by the time everyone hears this They'll know, I haven't even heard JBL's going to be there I haven't heard his name mentioned. I'd be at shocked.
0: All. He plays, dude. He plays nice with them all the time. Are you kidding me? He's like, you know, I'd be shocked. I mean, I, I hope at least he's there. If if they don't have me there with Cole, they should have him there. I mean, hope. Um, I don't think he's called as as many. Um, uh, I don't. I, I'm not trying to be a dick. I'm just being honest. I don't think he's called as many Smackdowns as me, bro. No, he I really he was there
1: for a while, but I don't think you were there for a much longer period of time on uninterrupted yeah. as an announcer. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. You know. Yeah. So.
0: I was calling all the JBL with the Cadillac horns gimmick when he was the champ. Great stuff. He was great champ there. He was, he was he was so easy to call his match. He was awesome, awesome heel, um, awesome on the mic and all that. And then you know, and I remember, dude, when JBL took the announced spot for me, I I wanted out. I don't know if you heard the backstory.
1: Nope, but you can tell it I, if you
0: want. Well, that's when I was I worked with Joey Styles on the rebirth of ECW. I'm sorry. I. I Cole and <laughs> I love John. I was actually was sorry illegal. when
1: they moved you there because you were going yeah. from two hours well, to I was one my, hour. It was my, and I was like, oh, what's that going to no, do to his pay?
0: No, 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 no. It didn't affect my pay at all, to be frank. It really didn't. No, I had a contract, I guarantee you, it didn't. Um, but I wanted it. I wanted that, not not them. Um it wasn't because of ECW. It was because at that time Cole and I were just not not getting along well. Like I was just, I I I was you know, we had a business private issue that went on that I got. I mean, we, we've 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 since you know made amends. Everything's cool, but there was an issue, and where I was probably a little more on the wrong side than he was. But I was you know, regardless, I didn't want to work with him anymore. It just it was it wasn't nothing to do with his performance or my performance. It had nothing to do with SmackDown. It was a different thing, and I just needed to get away, and I wanted off of SmackDown, and that that's that's why that happened. Okay. So. No matter what anybody tells you, that's the truth. So <laughs> there, you there you go. go. So um, working on a new thing here. That's another story. Dude, it happens when they so, close the
1: sound effects office?
0: Well, yeah, they didn't pay the bills, so we're trying to get it reopened. It's H uh, Corp paid it, so oh. I digress. But anyway, um,
1: those bills are still bouncing. Just saw one past the Empire State Building. <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh what oh a time man, what period that was! oh very please don't. um <laughs> I listen as far as that goes. I've said it before. I was never, I was never burned. I was always paid. Paul, I got to tell you, I was I. You know, yeah, stuff was late. Don't get me wrong, and I would get frustrated. But he, I got to tell you, you know, I was working hard behind the scenes too with the with the dojo and everything and everything and, and, and merchandise. Yeah. yeah, but you know, I was paid. I can't say I. I I'm not owed anything. You know, so uh, but that's 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 what that's years and years ago,
1: a weird place for you emotionally when in ninety nine into two thousand when you left, because, you know, you're going to go off and make more money than you probably ever made in your life working for WWE. E, right. but right. you had kind of built, you know, you kind of built this perfect little nest for yourself in ECW. You were a made man there. You knew what the responsibilities were. You knew the devil that you were dealing with. And I don't mean that in a negative way, you just you knew the, right. the lay of the land and you were always going to be one of the locker room leaders there. So to pull yourself out of that emotionally and start something fresh, even with more money coming in, than you probably ever made in your entire life emotionally that had to been crazy for you just as a person i can't even imagine how much you probably went back and forth on that decision before you finally said the hell with it i'm going
0: oh my god it was torturous it was very difficult but like i've said before i uh, i I just felt like paul's heart was in the right spot but the deal that was on the table that we shook hands on i felt like he wanted to do good on it, but I don't think he was going to be able to financially afford the deal. It was a pretty big deal he offered me. So that I wanted, I needed, and I felt I earned, and all that was there. Um, and then, you know, my child was – my wife and I just had a child, a baby, and and I, I we wanted security, real security. And I got to say, from a business perspective, I, I, I did the right thing. I mean, you know, for my family, I did because not too long after, unfortunately, for ECW, it went under, you know, so – and I would have came to WWE for half the money I got, you know, because I had what I had no leverage. And, I would and assume, there were you know people
1: I mean? who never got to go to WWE because they had no leverage at that point. From, the, from ECW right. so, and WCW.
0: That's right. Now some might listen. Uh, they might say, oh, what the fuck are you talking about, Taz? You didn't get pushed in WWE. No, listen, dumbasses. Okay? It's not about getting pushed. It's about the money you got in in writing that's guaranteed for three or four years. And, and then my second contract I signed, and then I got a second career as a commentator there. And, you know, That's the thing now, because of that career in commentating, I have the career I have now in radio, you know, so it it all worked out for me. I mean, yeah, I didn't get the push as a wrestler that I wanted, but everything else worked out fine, Mike, you know what I mean? So, and I'm always thankful for them for that. And even if they don't have me at their SmackDown 1000, maybe I'll be at SmackDown, you know, 2000. There you go. Probably not.
1: Maybe you'll be in the WWE Hall of Fame. I don't know. I don't want to jinx it. I just, I I feel like it's going to happen.
0: Uh, dude, how the hell? I'm taking my glasses off. I'm reading. My... I have my cheetahs on. I got to take them off. How could you even think that? I'm getting ready to wrap this fucking podcast up, and I just stopped. How could you even think that after they just shit on me, not going to the, the one thousand, bro? Are you crazy? They're not going to have me going to the Hall of Fame. Hall of Fames in
1: Brooklyn. You're the most famous wrestler to ever come out of Brooklyn.
0: Thank you. But Seriously, I, I...
1: name another famous wrestler who had the accolades and the longevity that you did who came out of Brooklyn.
0: Nobody. And I, and I know you're right, but they don't care. Don't you see? They care about them.
1: <laughs> well, I I, <laughs> so, I, I, I would be. Sh- uh, listen, you never know what's going to happen, but to well, me, if it's going to happen, we'll see. it seems like the stars and the constellations are aligning.
0: I don't think they care, and I, I, you would think that they would re, uh, they would have re, um, what do you call it? Uh, reintroduced me to their their new WWE universe the younger fans at an opportunity at, at, in DC at SmackDown 1000. Uh, you know, uh,
1: I think you're working me and you're getting on the corporate jet right after we're done with all this. <laughs>
0: you're probably taking I know, the moose I didn't check you. my phone. <laughs> the moose. No, I'm not taking the moose. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> no, no. Listen, I, I. that's funny. No, um, I, the I I got to tell you, I wasn't. Look, you know, you know me personally. I'm a busy motherfucker like you, okay? I'm doing a daily show every day. I'm under contract to CBS Sports Radio. I'm under contract to have to come to my podcast. I'm blessed I, for 2019. I'm locked. I'm good. Everything's good, thank God. So, you know, I work very hard, and I'm very proud of what I've built and what I do every day. So my point is I don't need to go there and do anything, and, and, and I, you know, I – if they would have asked me, I I would have went. That I'll tell you. I would have went. I would have because I'm very proud of that time on Smackdown. I remember and I've talked about it on my podcast here. The fight, the uphill battle Michael Cole and I together had to because of JR and King. That's not a knock on those guys, but as you know back then they were the end all be all. And 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 we were like the 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 B team. And then we went directly to Vince More than, I remember that one conversation in Boston And we went to Vince and we're like We got a call, this is our match, the main event These are our guys on SmackDown This is not cool, Vince And Vince was awesome, we had a long talk and he agreed And I'm, that all happened Because of our team on SmackDown So, you know I have a lot of pride in that So if they would have invited me, I would have went I would have, you know, and I wouldn't ask for any money I I, I you know, I mean, I just pay my trans, and I would been there. I don't, I don't need to get fucking paid for it. I'm good. You know, I mean, so I, am I sour or bitter over it? No, I'm not. But I, I, I love that I have a platform and I have a a, a legitimate, uh, you know, uh, person who covers the industry for so many years, like you, a friend of mine, that I could shoot the shit with, and so people could hear us talk about it. You know, um, but I, I don't think I'm going to be invited in the Hall of Fame, bro. I really All don't. All right.
1: Well, I'll tell you what. We'll bet five bucks on it right now. I say you're going in. You say you're not. Five bucks.
0: I'm just a radio guy. Five bucks could be stiff, you know. So I'm not a TV guy. All right, anymore.
1: listen. If I'm right, you got to take the lumberjack back. How about that? Oof, you want? You? you I mean, you want to put some um, real stakes here?
0: Let's no, <laughs> not go there. That's um, five bucks. All works. right, five bucks. Um, the yeah, no. <laughs> so, wait. The pay per view is in Brooklyn. You saying the Hall of Fame is in Brooklyn? At the Barclays Center. What's that? Oh, it's at Barclays? I thought it was the... Oh, not the guard. What am I thinking? No, it's at Barclays. No, no, the yeah, the right. Hall
1: of Fame, the NXT show, the Raw, and the SmackDown are all at the Barclay, Barclay Center in Brooklyn. Old the Barclay. pay-per-view WrestleMania is at MetLife, the, the, the giant stadium. Oh, that's...
0: Okay, bro, that's why I got confused. The MetLife gimmick. That's right, that's right. The, the, the this, actual the the physical Hall of Fame
1: ceremony is in Brooklyn. That's why I'm like... Ah, it, to me, oh. you know, it just sort of makes sense to put that chess piece there, you know?
0: Oy, hey, I'm hey, thinking yeah. from a
1: logical standpoint, pro wrestling promoters... Even WWE, sometimes logic is not the most important thing in terms of their planning. So
0: like SmackDown one. Exactly. Time. So uh, Ding. Well, let me ask you a question. I, I I I didn't watch Raw this past week, but I've been getting tweets. I mean, I think my voice is on a lot of these video packages yeah, for these old Smackdown a
1: package them. They run to promote it and you hear your voice and Cole's voice over like different clips. Which is nice, have, you know. It's nice, and you no, nice. nice. I'm sure you're not getting a royalty out of it, but it's nice to know that the, you're still nah, part of the yeah, still the part way, of the DNA I, there.
0: Yeah, no, I don't. Yeah, it's not about the yeah. The royalties is different, like the way that works, but it wouldn't be for that, you know. But but because it's hard to explain, when we we'll get the details. But yeah, no, I, I yeah. Um, wow, yeah, no, I, I yeah. Just it's well, whatever. It's water under the bridge. SmackDown 1000 is over, and uh, you know, getting ready for SmackDown 1001. Maybe I'll be there for that.
1: Maybe so. <laughs>
0: That'd be funny. I'm a week
1: late. Maybe, maybe when they bring back ECW and Sci-Fi, you'll be on that.
0: Oof, that's when I'll be like, uh, "No, I got to go to uh, you know Moose and I are doing a show in uh, Parsippany." There you uh, go. The
1: I'm booked for a signing in Parsippany. <laughs>
0: All right, <laughs> uh, Mike, look, plug away, my friend, plug away. We got, we're working on getting some uh, some nice uh, Mexican music. All here. right. We, we don't have it. Just so yet. Uh, yeah, if, if you like
1: what you heard from me here, you can check me out on Twitter at Mike PW Insider, or you can right. subscribe to the Elite section of PWInsider.com at PWInsiderElite.com. We've got tons of audio, tons of interviews. Just this week, I had Jazz, and I had uh, Guy, uh, Guy Evans, the author of the WCW Nitro book up, and we'll have a lot of other stuff up over the course of the week. So
0: thank you Alright Mike I appreciate it buddy As usual uh, You're the man People love that You're back rolling Of what New York's truly here I'm happy
1: to be here Thank you for having me
0: Oh uh, uh, no no I love having you on You know that It's great And uh, guys we appreciate it uh, For Mike Johnson And uh, me Taz Thank you guys for downloading this And listening to this episode I hope you enjoyed it Alright I'm Taz You're not And for Mike Johnson uh, Talk to you guys later on Adios alright